let's turn together to Genesis 19. Uh, Genesis 19 on page 13 uh, and 14 of your church Bibles. Uh, as we come to the, the word this morning, uh, we're continuing our, our walk through the life of Abraham. Uh, and we come to this uh, well-known and, and actually quite controversial, I suppose, section uh, of Genesis. Uh, Genesis 19 is, of course, uh, Sodom uh, and ju- God's judgment uh, upon Sodom. And we, we've talked a bit about it uh, last week in, in setting it up. Uh, we'll, we'll try and deal again with some of the, the questions and issues that I, I suspect are, are on most of our minds as we come to a passage like this one this morning. But again, if you have questions that, that don't get answered in the sermon, uh, please do come and ask me uh, after the service. I'd be happy to chat with you over uh, tea and coffee this morning. Uh, Genesis chapter 19, uh, we'll read the entire chapter, it is a bit long, but we'll bear with me, uh, because it is God's word, and so let's hear now God's word. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth, and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house, and spend the night, and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, no, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man, surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand back. And they said, This fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of the place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters, up, get out of this place for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot saying, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, Oh no, my Lord, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. 
Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He he said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the valley. And he looked and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Now Lot went up out of Zor and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zor. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God stands forevermore. Below our feet is, is actually one of the, the engineering marvels of our, of our generation. Uh, it's actually not exactly right below our feet, but it's, it's not far. Uh, it costs 4.5 billion pounds to build, and it's taken more than a decade to construct. It's called the Thames Tideway Tunnel, which is a polite name for what is otherwise known as the super sewer. The super sewer will help to, to prevent waste from, from spilling over uh, into the t- River Thames, which is something that, that occurs quite often uh, these days. I've, I've read articles and, and seen news reports where reporters have, quote, had the privilege of, of going down into the tunnel to see this, this wonder for themselves. Uh, they always remark on how, how incredible it is. It's, it's this amazing, massive uh, structure, uh, all underneath, running underneath London, and, and even un- un- running underneath uh, the River Thames. Uh, it, it, it's huge, and it, it looks brilliant in the pictures uh, and in the videos. But b- before very long, when it, when it opens up, you, you have to remember it's going to be filled by you and I, by whatever we deposit in our toilets. And I know that's gross to think about. But what I want to, to suggest to us is, is that what we, what we see in our, our passage this morning is that, is that the human heart is, is actually not that dissimilar to the super sewer. And when our, when our hearts were, were made by God, when he, he created us in his image, it was, uh, it was this incredible gift of life. It was, it was a wonder, wasn't it? He breathed his very breath into our, our lives. He, he made us from the dust. 
into, into something great, the glory of his creation. And yet what we see in, in Sodom and in Lot reveals to us that, that what, we've, what we've done with our hearts since then is, is to fill them with all kinds of, of rubbish and nastiness. Uh, a passage like this one is, is hard to read, not just because it's so long, but because as it goes on and on and on, you notice just how, how broken our world can be. We were never designed for this purpose. Unlike the, the super sewer, our hearts were never meant to be this way. Now, chapter 19 of, of Genesis is, is sobering, and, and it's not without controversy. And so we're going to, I want to walk through it briefly this morning uh, in three points. First, we'll see the situation on the ground in Sodom. Secondly, we'll see human heart, the human heart revealed in Lot. And third, we'll, we'll deal with the question of where's the righteousness in all of this. So first, let's take a look at the situation on the ground in Sodom. You'll remember last week that, that God appeared uh, to Abraham and, and said to him that he was going down uh, to see Sodom for himself uh, because he had the outcry against the city had been so great that, that before he passed judgment on that city, he wanted to see for himself. And we said that he, he did that, even though God already knew what that judgment would be, that, that God was, was displaying in that uh, his, his uh, patience, his fairness, that, and, as well as his justice. Uh, he sends his two servants to Sodom to see firsthand for themselves. And he had promised Abraham that he would, he would not destroy that city if he found just, just ten righteous people there. Now, so this morning now we hear the angels going into the city, and, and who should they meet first but, but the nephew of Abraham, uh, Lot. And Lot had become uh, increasingly entangled in the affairs of, of the city. Uh, you may remember that, that he was, uh, at the start, uh, he, he had pitched his tents in the, in the valleys near the city. Now he's, he's living within the gates. And now he's not only living within the gates, but he's, he's sitting at the city gate. Now in the, the culture of that, that time period, the people who could be found sitting at the, the gates of the cities were, were usually the, the elders of the city. It, it was some of the most prominent citizens in that place. So it would appear that Lot had grown uh, in prominence over the years, hadn't it? Lot invites these two men who, who turn up uh, to come to his home where he uh, will, will show them uh, a measure of hospitality. When they've, uh, and so they, they go there with Lot, and when they finish their meal, there's a knock on the door, and it's some of Lot's neighbors. In fact, it's, uh, it says it's, it's every single man in the city, both, both young and, and old. And they've come to the, the door of, of Lot to, to, show, uh, to show these strangers a, a warm Sodom welcome. Uh, which, which more than implied that they wanted to commit a sexual act with them. And this is where we begin to get the, the full picture of the, the situation on the ground in Sodom. When we read the passage, you know, did, it, did it have a, a bit of a different feel from, from uh, what we heard these, the, the previous two weeks? It's a very different feel, isn't it, from when the, these two servants uh, came with the Lord to, to Abraham. They were able to go to Abraham in the, the middle of the day. Uh, you may not remember it very well from the last couple of weeks, but, but uh, they, when they came to Abraham, they were, they were warmly received. In fact, he, he turned his household upside down to welcome them. 
they were invited to, to sit out in the open where, where anyone could see that they were coming. They were guests of Abraham and they were, they were treated exquisitely. Now as they, they come to Sodom, night is, is falling. You can feel the darkness starting to close in, can't you? And Lot sees them and he practically uh, bundles them away to his home, doesn't he? He even begs them to, to come with him and not to, to attempt to sleep uh, in the city uh, out on the streets of the city overnight. He knows, he knows something might happen, doesn't he? And now we learn exactly what in verses 4 to 11. The men of the city, both, both the young and the old, uh, the, the full representation of the, the men in this town, go to Lot seeking these visitors. And a near riot ensues when Lot refuses to hand them over. Now we'll look at Lot in a moment, but let's, let's recognize here that the, the situation is, is every bit as bad as, as God had heard, isn't it? Again, we said last week, I, I, I'm not going to repeat it all again, that, that the issue in Sodom ran much deeper than, than simple homosexual practice. Uh, that practice was the, the outer manifestation of a, of a much deeper heart issue. Amidst the, amidst the ruckus and near riot, no one in this, in this crowd representing all of the, the, the men in, in the population of Sodom, not a single one of them outside of Lot lifted their voice and protest at what, what the, the crowd wanted to do to these two strangers. The situation on the ground is dire. And we learn that the, the Lord God has, has appointed the city uh, for destruction. Uh, in line with his with his righteous judgment, the problem of Sodom and the the fact of God's judgment creates actually a real issue for us, doesn't it? If you took the if 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 we took away the the non consensual aspect from this this episode, then we would probably say that that there was nothing wrong with with what the people of Sodom were were doing. They were simply exercising their freedom, weren't they? If this had been consensual, then they're all they're all grown adults and they should be free to express their sexuality however they like, whether that's heterosexual or, or, or homosexual. As long as it's two consenting parties, it's, it should be fine. The idea that God would, would judge the, the people of the city is, is, is uh, what we want to, to believe is, is actually the real wrong, isn't it? God shouldn't, shouldn't judge them for these things. Perhaps we'd like to protest that, that God made us for, for sex. So why shouldn't we be free to enjoy it. And the thing about, about the book of Genesis is that we, we actually have to read it with the big picture in mind. We have to understand it according to the, the wholeness of the book. I know we're, we're going through, through it bit by bit, but we, need to, we actually need to read it as, as a whole and remember back to creation. The, the creation account in Genesis is, is absolutely fundamental for understanding the rest of the book, especially this episode. Because what we, we, what we learned in creation was that God made humans for sex. He commanded Adam and Eve to, to be fruitful and to, to multiply, to fill the earth. However, he also made sex to be enjoyed, not only between two complementary genders, male and female, but also within the safety of a monogamous marital bond. God said to them that when he, he made Adam and Eve, for one another, he said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. He didn't say united with his girlfriend or united with a, a random stranger from a, a club or that we met down at the pub. 
and not with someone of, of the same gender. You see, our world would like to dismiss Sodom as having either never happened or having happened for, for some other reason. God said it, it was because in their hearts they had rejected him. And this rejection is reflected in how they have rejected and abused one another in one of the most basic and fundamental aspects of who God had created them to be. But we need to look even deeper here because there's, there's a problem for, for those of us who are, are people of faith or, or who are religious. There's a glaring problem really, isn't there? And his name is Lot. What do we do with Lot? It feels like Lot could be a problem for us. So let's look at that more in our second point, the human heart revealed in Lot. Let's, let's just get this out of the way and, and, and say up front, Lot is, is a, a grade-A scumbag, isn't he? He's a nasty piece of work. If they gave out A-levels for scumbaggery, he'd probably get an A-star, at least if we're grading him, right? If we were to put it into to polite church terms, we would say he's, he's a man who's not led his household well. There you go. That sounds, that sounds more polite, doesn't it? It's an understatement. But uh, <laughs> lots of, uh, Lot is a, a picture of how our, our hearts get drawn to places uh, like Sodom, how easy it is to, to compromise with, with our world and, and to be drawn to earthly things. Way back, again, way back many chapters ago, Lot uh, was given the choice by his uncle Abraham uh, where, where he would like to settle in the land. And they had to, to separate because their, their households were in conflict uh, because they were just so stinking rich. So Lot initially opts for the, the valleys near, near the city of Sodom. Uh, and then a, a few chapters later, he's, he's captured with the people of Sodom. So he's, he's drawing nearer to them. And now he's in the, living in the city of Sodom. And again, he's, he's a, a person of distinction in the city. And Lot doesn't exactly distinguish himself in this episode, does he? When the men of the city come knocking on his door, how does he attempt to placate them? Rather than, than handing over his guests as demanded, he, he offers his virgin daughters instead. Now, I don't want to gloss over that, but it's one of those things that's, that's so horrific, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what else to say about it. It's shocking, isn't it? It's abominable. And then the angels, we find, have to drag Lot and his family practically kicking and screaming out of the city that's, that's about to be destroyed. He can't get his sons-in-laws to join him. So they just leave, and the angels uh, command him to, to flee to the hills to take shelter, don't they? Lot, however, is afraid. And he, he makes his excuse, and he, he's... he's uh, uh, he, he says to, to the angels, you know, let me go and, and dwell in this, this smaller city. It's just a little tiny one. Let me, let me go there. It's insignificant. What Lot's really saying is he's gotten used to, to the city life. He prefers his creature comforts to, to fleeing to the hills. And so he's given permission to go there, and then, and then he sees Sodom destroyed. Lot's wife, however, uh, she can't bear to leave the place behind, can she? She, ca she, she goes out and she, she casts a longing gaze at, at the city that had been her home, at this place of incredible wickedness. And the result is that, that the judgment of God uh, swallows her up, that she becomes like a pillar of salt. But that's not all, is it? When we last see Lot, where do we find him? 
He's left the little city of Zor. He's made another decision out of, out of fear. And he's, he's moved into a cave in the hills, the very hills that he, he longed to avoid. And his two daughters in, in despair because uh, in a cave in the hills, there's, there's no prospect for them to find husbands. And so they, they plot against their father. They, they, in successive evenings, get him drunk. And then they sleep with him in order to become pregnant. Uh, it's such a mess, isn't it? We, we have this brief contrast, don't we, where, where Abraham uh, is seen to go up on the hillside and, and surveys the, the smoldering ruins of Sodom. Perhaps aware, perhaps not, that, that his nephew was indeed uh, saved from that, that judgment and that ruin. But at incredible cost, wasn't it? See, these are the kind of things that we wish weren't in the Bible. If we're not quite sure what to do with them, if we're, if we're good, polished, religious people, we'd, we'd rather not think of them. What are we meant to take away from this? I think for one thing, we need to recognize how, how easily our hearts are drawn to evil and wickedness. We need to recognize how, how, how often we, we long to, to cling to the comforts uh, of this world and, and the wickedness of it. Lot wanted to, to cling on, didn't he? And he barely escaped with his life and, and with his two daughters. His, his wife didn't make it out. Actually, when, when Jesus himself looks back on this, on this episode in, in Luke's gospel in chapter 17, he warns us to, to remember Lot's wife. He said that she wasn't anticipating the Lord's judgment. Rather, she had set her heart on, on earthly things. In the, end, in the end, she was swept away, wasn't she? What Jesus does is he warns his people to be prepared for his, for his return, for when he will come again and, and answer the outcry against the wickedness of our world like God did with Sodom. In light of that, we should be careful, shouldn't we, in how we interact with the world we inhabit. I think the, the contrast between Abraham and, and Lot teaches us something about, about how we interact with the world. Abraham, Abraham wasn't completely withdrawn from it. We've, we've seen that, so we, we shouldn't completely withdraw, should we? But he also didn't, he didn't set his heart on it. Abraham was a man of the promises of God. He could interact with the world. He could, he could do good things for, for the people in it. He could care for, for others. He could, he, could, uh, uh, do the, he, he could live a normal, quiet life like, like you and I live. But he, was keeping, he could also keep a cool distance and not be taken in with the things that, that easily uh, entangle us. Lot, on the other hand, goes completely the other, the other direction, doesn't he? He engages with the world with a, with a lack of discretion and caution. Lot and Lot's wife warn us to, to be thoughtful and careful in how we interact with, with the world around us. There's so much in, in a city like ours that, that actually puts pressure on our faith, doesn't it? And you and I feel it every day. Uh, sometimes it feels easier simply to, to give in and, and, and make little compromises, doesn't it? And live as the world lives. I, th- I suspect Lot thought a lot, a lot like you and I think. You know, I'll, just, I'll just make some little compromises in order to, because if, if I make those little compromises, I might, I might rise to prominence. I might get a better job. I might, I might be able to move up the ladder. 
And then I'll be in a position where I'll have influence and I'll, I'll be able to use that for good and I'll be able to make wholesale changes to this city and to this world. Lot made a lot of compromises, didn't he? But he, he didn't, uh, even, even when he found himself in prominence, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not able to influence it. He's not able to change this place for the better. In fact, he, he simply just doesn't belong there. See, when put under pressure, he offers his daughters to, to satisfy an angry crowd, which is horrific, isn't it? And what, what Lot's experience says to us, what you and I should take from that is, but by the grace of God, so go you and I. Lot's problem is our problem because Lot's life reflects our own hearts. We're, we're drawn like moths to a light to the things of this world. So what are we to do? Well, this leaves us this morning with, with a central question. And that central question is, is our third point. Where's the righteousness? Where's the righteousness in this? When, when Abraham was interceding before God and for, uh, on behalf of the city last week, he, he, got, him, he got God down to, to ten righteous people. If God could find ten righteous people in the city, then God would not destroy it. Uh, they didn't achieve that threshold. But by all appearances, Lot wasn't righteous either, was he? What gives? Why, why was Lot changed, saved? Where's, where's the righteousness here? Well, there's an old saying that says it, it takes all kinds of people to make a world. Uh, if there's one thing that we see here this morning, it's, it's that, that God's kingdom is going to be made, made up of all kinds of people. It's going to be filled with all kinds of people. Jesus even indicates this in, in the Great Commission. People from every tribe and nation will fill his kingdom. Some of you might get dragged there kicking and screaming. Others, others might, might enter with, with, with uh, you know, perceived dignity only to learn that, that actually, you know what, we needed so much more grace than we ever recognized in our lives. There's going to be people in, in heaven that you, you didn't like on earth. You know, when, when Jesus says every tribe and nation will be found there, what he's saying is there's going to be Israelis and Palestinians there living together in harmony side by side. It's going to take all kinds to fill the kingdom of heaven. I think we look at the life of Abraham and we think we can, we can understand why God would choose a man like him. You know, Abraham seems respectful, respectable enough, doesn't he? You know, he has some oddities about him, some things that we, we might not like, but a lot of those we could maybe perhaps uh, overlook as, as being cultural. I mean, they could be excused. But what about Lot? With Lot, there's not much good there, is there? We can't say a lot about Lot. If, if we were asked to be his, his defense attorney, we, we'd probably just go, well, probably not, gonna, probably not winning this one, are we? Where's the righteousness when it comes to Lot? How do we justify his salvation? Well, the good news is you and I don't have to justify Lot. It's not our job to justify Lot. Will we see him in the kingdom of heaven? I believe that we will. I'll give you three reasons why. First of all, when the New Testament looks back on Lot, Lot it was, it, we're told that Lot was counted as righteous 
in God's sight. We see this in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. Uh, it's there that we're told what was righteous. Listen to this. If, if by turning the cities, this is, this is 2 Peter 2, uh, beginning of verse 6. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Now that seems mad, doesn't it? But what God says of Lot is that there, there was righteousness in him. There was a, a spark of righteousness that he had buried deep down in his soul. And that every day that he, that he lived among the, the wickedness of Sodom was a torment to him. And perhaps that's, that's you know, why he fled to Zor in the end. That's, that's why when the angels dragged him out, uh, they could drag him out. And he didn't just turn around like his wife and, and, and be turned to, to, to salt. Every day that he lived there was, was a torment to his soul. We can relate to a lot, I suspect, can't we? Living in a, in a city like the one we live in, often, often drawing near to things that, that, that torment uh, a righteous soul. We, we may not always feel that, that, that deeply, but what, what the scriptures tell us is that actually when, when, when we're righteous in, through, through the Lord and God through Christ Jesus, then actually the, the things that surround us, the, the things that we live among, challenge our very souls. But the real question is, where did that, where did that righteousness in Lot come from? It came from God himself, didn't it? It wasn't from himself. God had to plant it there. And his, his God, the servants of God recognized it when they saw it. But the second reason why I suspect we see Lot in heaven is, is back in sixteen of our, verse 16 of our passage. Uh, look back there, beginning verse 15. As, as morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, oh, Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. Verse 16. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. Why was Lot saved from judgment? Was it because he had listened to the warnings? No. He was saved because the supernatural servants of God grabbed him and, and his family and, and dragged them out to safety. Why? Because the Lord was being merciful to him. It wasn't because he deserved it, was it? God did it out of, out of his grace to Lot. Third, I believe we'll, we'll see Lot in heaven because God's grace is, is far more long-suffering than any of us probably care to believe. And we see that in, in actually the children born to Lot's daughters. Uh, the sons born to the, the daughters, they're, they, there's no more dysfunctional circumstance, I think, than, than what we bred here this morning. For, for having children. But the, the sons born to the daughters were named Moab and Ben-Ami, and they, were, they became the fathers of, of two nations who would be the absolute moral enemies of, of the children of Israel, God's people. Yet if you know the name Moab and the Moabite people, 
then you might remember a, a Moabite woman. We talked about her for, for several weeks in, in our evening service. But the Moabite woman was named Ruth. And Ruth would give birth to, to a son who would give birth to a son who would give birth to, to David, the man who would become king of Israel. And eventually from the line of David would come Jesus, the Messiah. God's, God's salvation works out in a strange way, doesn't it? And he uses all kinds of people and all kinds of circumstances to bring about his salvation. You and I may not be able to, to discern easily in our time how God's plan is, of salvation is working out. But God, that's because God works it out over millennia. The people that we look at today and, and want to dismiss, you, you may likely find in God's kingdom. Because the, the work of God's salvation, His grace is, is far more immense and far more mysterious than you and I understand. My point this morning is simple. I think it's actually a, an absolutely crucial point for us to take away this morning. Some of you may, may be like Abraham, someone who on the outside looks more acceptable and, and upright and more respectable. You may feel like and, and look like you're the kind of person that, that God should just very easily accept. Some of you may be more like Lot and questionable in character and, and living a wild life and, and longing for the things of this world. But the fact is, if any of us are, are going to to be saved, if any of us are going to be part of, of God's kingdom, then it's only going to be by God's grace and mercy. Whether you appear to, to come freely or whether you're, you're dragged kicking and screaming into the kingdom, the Lord God alone is the one who saves us. And the calling for you and I this morning is to be prepared for the coming judgment of Christ Jesus by looking to the Lord God for our salvation through faith in that very one, the very judge of all the earth, the judge of our hearts, but also the Savior of those who are found in Him, Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us pray.